I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I ain't gonna sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. But I ain't gonna go. I don't know what Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. Each week, we're going to go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments that we all think we remember. And we're going to learn what they can teach us about where we are collectively as a people right now. This week, all things Tyra Banks. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Ho. We're going to make it fashion. I'm Trace Clayton. And I'm Josh Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) So, Josh, why are we here? What is this show? Who are you? Why should anyone listen to us? Who is we? I feel like you're my internal dialogue right now. (laughs) Who are you? Why should people (laughs) listen to you? (laughs) I sound like my dad. (laughs) Let's introduce each other. Because, like, I don't know if I can introduce myself. That feels weird. Okay, so who is Joshua Llewellyn Marie Bernadise Gwynn? Not my entire government. At least I left out the extra three names. (laughs) So Josh is a producer at Pineapple Street Studios, where we have made what feels like 8,000 million hundred billion shows together. I also like to refer to Josh as like a walking Rolodex of all of the pop culture moments that you don't know that you remember until you hear somebody say it. Josh is the one that's probably somewhere saying it. (laughs) If you were in podcast form, Josh, this is what the podcast would be. Just like (laughs) to yell out your favorite catchphrases and sing your favorite songs from 1993 or whatever. God, I love 1993. Can we go back? You got a time machine on you? I'm ready to go back. Way back to the womb sometimes, honestly. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's you. I think that's an accurate description. It's my turn though. Oh, I was nice to you. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> okay. So Tracy Clayton is a podcaster extraordinaire. I don't think I need to say more than Beyonce knows that she's alive. Mm. We woke up one morning. <laughs> Everyone got onto Beyonce's internet, and Blue Ivy had cut out a <laughs> picture of. Tracy's face (laughs) from one of the podcasts that we worked on Mm -hmm. and made a collage with all these other super notable people. I was directly next to Toni Morrison, not bragging, just saying. Like, can you? Just saying. uh, But yeah, that's who we are. We are making this show because we're obsessed with this shit. Can we say shit on our own show? Hell yeah. Fuck it. (laughs) So a lot of these moments that we are absolutely obsessed with, that we reference all the time, that we send our friends memes about, 
these are moments that were basically overlooked by the white stream media, <laughs> which is what that is now, basically. But, yeah. you know, like, who's to say that In Living Color doesn't deserve its own New York Times, New York Magazine deep dive? I think that the white stream media <laughs> will dig into these moments when it's profitable, right? Like, there are mm. these random pop cultural moments that I feel like they just gloss over and then bam, uh-huh. pops up in a conversation or boom, then uh-huh. it's in a marketing campaign for some huge corporation. Right, we know who Moesha is, buy our perfume. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, what? And Back Issue is that space that we can go to where we can kind of do like our own personal deep dive into these moments and figure out why they've stuck around and why they've stayed with us mm-hmm. and why they were formative in the first place. Right, like if we want to do a highly produced radio piece on the socio-political implementations implications okay. of uh, This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. Then this is how we do it. And that is what we shall. It's like the late, great Diane Carroll said, if you weren't invited to the party, throw your own. That's basically mm. what Back Issue is here to do. Back Issue is going to be looking back at the past and finding those moments that helped to build who you are. They are the thread yeah. of the tapestry that is your life. I say. Thank you. Mm, thank you. I thank say. you. I say. I say. Okay, Tracy, we're going to talk about Tyra today, right? Yes. I think we should break down some of the things we love and hate and then talk with someone who knows her really, really well. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Jay Manuel. I'm the creative director for all the photo shoots and runway shows for America's Next Top Model. Tracy, we got to get to the bottom of some of these things. I can't wait to hear what Jay says. But first, let's talk about our stunt queen, Mm -hmm. Tyra Banks. And the trouble that she's been getting into recently Mm. in the public. Like, they were trying to cancel her or, like, reevaluate her maybe because everybody's got all this time on their hands and stuff now. Well, we have to find something to do. Okay. But before we go there, let's rein it back and kind of revisit some of the moments that we think of when we think of the name Tyra Banks. And then see if Jay maybe has some of the answers. But first, the stunts. I cannot think of a stuntier queen. Than Tyra Banks. Josh, I don't know if you're aware, but Tyra has made some decisions in her day. Oh, I know. Did a couple of wild things, um, like that time she gave out bedazzled Vaseline to her talk show audience, and they were so excited for some I think about that like once a week. Or that time that she went undercover as like homeless and she just like uh, put dirt on her face and was like, like, I'm homeless now. Oh my. And then she did the same thing when she went undercover as an overweight person in like a fat suit. I remember that. Like, or remember when she had Kenya from America's Next Top Model like pretend to be an elephant? When like, she was she real like, worried about her weight. Exactly. Yes. Could have been a coincidence. We're going to get into that one later, for sure. Yes. We have to spend some time there. We must, because I'm still not over that. I'm still not over a lot of things. <laughs> but that. Right. She has this tendency to make everything about herself. Like, one time she gave Miley Cyrus a birthday present for her 16th birthday, and it was a picture of her at 16. What? Wait. Hold on. Time out. Wait a second. Did this happen, like, in real life? Yeah, it happened in real life. They were at Disneyland. At Disneyland? Wait. <laughs> that is me at 16 years old. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you this. This symbol symbolizes me and I'm so proud of you. Oh my gosh. Carrying the torch of a 16 year old. I could like not ask for a cooler present. Sarah really? Banks nice. gave Miley Cyrus two pictures of her for her birthday. This represents me <laughs> on your day, but it's about me on your day. 
Happy birthday to me. you. Here's a picture of me. me. I hope you can be like me. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> From Tyra Banks. <laughs> <laughs> She's so goofy. Sometimes her tendency towards spectacle kneecaps her intentions. So like it kind of like mm. makes it difficult for her to like still live within this expanding beauty type of thing. Uh-huh. But there's a reason why she's been on TV for as long as she has. Yeah, that's another good point. She's stayed relevant for a long ass time. Long time. It's hard to stay relevant, I think, especially for women, because as you get older and you age, oh God, you know, like sands through the hourglass, it's like tick tock, tick tock. But it's almost like Tyra was like, all right, I'm done with this chapter. What's next? And then it was like, oh, TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, you don't do that accidentally you know like she's she's got some smarts in there i love the way that you said that her ability or tendency to turn things into a spectacle kneecaps her Mm -hmm. even when she like does some ridiculous shit that makes you be like this is wrong and you shouldn't do it it doesn't always feel like her intention was bad or malicious it's just kind of like girl you are so extra you know like yeah her intentions are usually good mm-hmm. and that's another thing that i really like about her like her mm-hmm. mission statement seems really to be like to expand what beauty is and to expand who's included in the conversation of what's beautiful for mm-hmm. someone who was in her position that looks the way that she looks like mm-hmm. they didn't she didn't have to do that like you know yeah. what i mean like she yeah, she could have rested on that face and that body and kept mm-hmm. going to the <laughs> going to the <laughs> bank you know <laughs> It seems like the attempt to include trans people, fat people, short people, different races, like that seems to be like her North Star. Yeah, and I feel like that is important, even though when we look at some of the ridiculous stunts that she pulled through today's lens, like back in the day, like you were saying, like she knows what it's like to be the only black person in the room because she usually was. Like I can just see like this boardroom, like with this like big, like heavy, like wooden oak table and there's all these serious looking white men in suits all around it. And then there's Tyra. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I have to make my presence at this table count. And I think where she gets kneecapped is when she makes all of those conversations about her her Mm. you know like Mm -hmm. tyra i just want to hear someone who was considered quote-unquote morbidly obese tell me what it's like to be them i don't want to see you pretend to be them and then go back to your skinny life you know what i mean i think what that is is something that tyra's actually really good at which is trying to bridge a connection between her and someone else, yeah. like making herself accessible. Because like, if you think about what supermodels were like in the 90s, mm-hmm. they were completely inaccessible. Like you could not reach them. You could not touch them. They were in the most exclusive and luxury places. And like, if you yeah. think about models today, they're on Instagram and you can DM them. And so I think that is her trying to make herself as accessible to someone else as she can. But it's like the downside of that same sort of like intention. And I feel like a way that she attempted to do that was Model Land. Can you uh, talk to I people about Model Land? I know you do, Chad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could just move to Model Land. <laughs> so Model Land is this experience that Tyra was trying to curate where you could go and be a model for a day. Right. Mm-hmm. And they would have like photo shoots and all that other stuff. But because of the quarantine, they weren't able to open. Right. And Tyra left this poem on her website, oh, no. kind of explaining how she was feeling about pushing Model Land back. This is Tyra. Hi. Sometimes I like to talk on TV. Sometimes I like to write my thoughts. And sometimes I like to rhyme my thoughts. 
and here's a little rhyme for you. May 1st was the day where all could come slay and capture their beautiful smiles. To pose and to tooch, to laugh and to booch and take home some cool merchandise. So I put on my mask and pose a little ask, please celebrate our almost birthday. But real birthday will come and our workplace of fun will open and all can come slay. There you go. From my rhyme to your heart. Why did that happen? Why did it happen? No, no. You take those back. You take those Ashes back. She did it for the ancestors. You didn't feel it? (laughs) I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Take a shot every time I quit. All I want is a matcha. And uh, some incense. <laughs> a head okay. wrap. I, I have some questions. I have questions. Why? <laughs> Did you hear how she changed the inflection on birthday? That's when I almost <laughs> closed my laptop. So, yes, I did. <laughs> Category is iambic <laughs> pentameter. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, though? Like, even though, like, my first response is to roll my eyes all the way into the back of my head until they come back up to the front by themselves, I like that she does goofy shit like that. It really, as far as, like, the accessibility that you were talking about earlier, like, she does get very, like, personal and vulnerable, which makes you trust her. And if not trust her, at least, like, be lenient when she does kind of, like, go too far and do a little bit too much, you know? Everybody's got a lot of time on their hands now. So people have time to, like, look back into everybody's closets and find, like, the worst thing that you did because we know we need something to do. We need things to talk about. Things to laugh at. Yeah. Also, everybody's trying to escape the current day and, like, we're looking backwards a lot. So, unfortunately, this um, looking back and looking backwards led Twitter to talking about some of the really ridiculous moments in Tyra's past, notably from Top Model all of these like really fucked up moments where like in the moment you know you didn't really realize it was fucked up because it's just like oh here's a thing that's happening looks uncomfortable but at least black girls on tv are like whatever but as much as she worked to make space for others inside the world of modeling she also was kind of like restricted like she there were some boundaries and barriers that she paid attention to and we most common saw this on top model when it came to like flaws even though she's always like oh your flaws are perfect and beautiful she's also like all right makeover time we're gonna do the exact thing that you do not want us to do to your body (laughs) you know what the entire audience absolutely wants to watch oh my it's the best episode it's the best episode okay so what happened (laughs) danny cycle six beautiful girl black girl had a gap beautiful gap and it comes makeover time and this is what tyra wants to change about her so danielle you went to the dentist but you refused to have your gap closed do you really think you can have a cover girl contract with the gap in your mouth yeah why not this is all people see it's easy reads beautiful cover girl it's not marketable yeah just a little bit it's okay but i don't want to completely close it well i guess she just left the gap wide open <laughs> for another girl baby i agree i feel like when i was watching it then 
I don't know that I had like the language to describe like the discomfort that I felt about it. This is a genetic thing passed down in, in her family. Like what if she was attached to it? And she was, she was attached to it. And like, that was what was at the heart of the whole conversation is finally Danny's like, you know what? It was real fucked up. I didn't want to change my gap. And it was kind of confusing because Tyra's always talking about, you know, embrace your flaws and this, that, and the other. But then she's like forcing me to make such a permanent change to myself, which is so fucked up. And back to the contradiction, right? Like it stands in direct contrast to what was the word that she made up? Flaw, flossum or whatever. Yeah. This is not very flossum, Tyra. It's not. It's that not. That was not flossum what you did at all. You can tell her intentions are good because like she always is talking about how beauty lives in the world of and. And she had Isis King on America's mm. Next Top Model, mm-hmm. which was probably like the first time that I saw a trans person on a reality show yeah, outside of, you know, like talk shows from like the 80s and 90s that were like horrible. Mm. ISIS. This girl is absolutely amazing. And my staff said, Tyra, there's something a little different about that girl. So what's different about that girl? I was born physically male, but mentally everything else, I was born female. ISIS. Ultimately, ISIS wasn't able to go all the way. But in her brief time on Top Model, She helped us all redefine what beauty really is all about. It's crazy how much has changed in even that amount of time. Like, I wouldn't have imagined seeing a show like Pose or something at that time. Like, it was so revolutionary that there was this trans woman on this show as a competitor. But, like, it wasn't, like, sensationalized. Yeah. It was just, like, we're doing this thing and we've never done it before. And And that's that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, because I grew up and I still revisit sometimes old 90s talk shows. Yeah. There were like a handful of just like tropes that everybody did. And one of those was, is it a man or is it a woman? And it was always like, you know, in this like sensationalized, like, it's a game. And Ricky's were the worst. Ricky would be like, girl, I don't want to mislead you, but these women are actually, I can't think of one that rhymes, but you know, you know what I mean. You know I know what, what you're mean. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me and this woman went on a date and then I found out she's a mate. Like, what? Exactly. My favorite actual Ricky Lake episode title is, excuse me, girl, don't be misled. You are a skank, a hoochie, or a chicken head. That was the name of the show. <laughs> no, they were wilding. They were wilding. Yes. It was, it, was, it was a different time. It was a different time. But it was really cool to see Tyra try to, like, expand what was happening. Because yeah. it was really ahead of its time. I think it's, like, the same year, slightly before we see Laverne Cox on I Want to Work for Diddy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I forgot that that happened. Yeah, that was the first time that we ever saw Laverne Cox was when she was on that reality show where they were like, it was like The Apprentice, but Diddy did it. It was terrible. It was so bad. (laughs) But it's really bad. So like, this is way before we see Laverne Cox like on the cover of Time and like Orange is the New Black. Tyra was willing to do it. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that that can't be taken away from her. Yeah. But at the same time, do you remember when she gave that dude the beard weave? (laughs) She put a weave on this man's face. Let's see how this is gonna look. I'm sitting here and I'm nervous because everybody wants to know what is this gonna look like? You look at Black Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go, bro, okay. There you go. I'm loving myself with a beard, like, I I like the look. (laughs) <laughs> Not a black Lincoln. 
Wow. So everybody was like, oh, yeah, this looks good. Everybody was like, thumbs up. I know the audience didn't. (laughs) They eventually changed it because it looked so bad. Wow. Wait, is this the hole in the market that we've been waiting for? Do we need to have a line of <laughs> a line lace of front like beards? Merkins for your face? <laughs> <laughs> to be a fly on the wall of the room that they were in when they decided on this beard. They have all their pictures on the wall like scandal, right? <laughs> and Tyra's sitting in front like you know what'll really fuck them up <laughs> weave beard <laughs> homegirl over here she thinks she cute I'm gonna shave her head <laughs> I just feel so many feelings now about this because when you think about it beards are pubes no Tracy <laughs> they are, <not. laughs> they they are. are not. It's hair that arrives when you hit puberty. Okay. Pubes. They're pubes for your face. Any sort of body hair, though? Yeah. Underarm hair. Oh, no. Pubes for your arms. Oh, no. Armpit pubes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you look really sad. (laughs) You really (laughs) look gross visual. (laughs) Well, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Tyra Banks for making face pube wigs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she had Niall DeMarco, who... On his time on the show, he made a really big effort to, like, teach his fellow castmates how to sign and how to communicate with him because he's deaf. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's a big part of his storyline. She knows this, and she knows that he reads lips in order to communicate, and she has them have a photo shoot in the dark. I'm sorry, what? In the dark. This challenge is going to be very difficult for Niall. Not only if he cannot hear, now he won't be able to see. Okay, there was a time where I was like, 54 cycles of top model is enough. This clearly happened after I quit watching because what the fuck? Yeah. What? Yeah. Again, it's moments like that where it's just like, Tyra, you're too smart to not know any better now. Tyra, you got a whole team of producers and people around you who could be like, hey, this is insensitive. No, these are moments where she's like, oh, no, this is going to be great for the show. It's going to make a great show. And, like, I can, I feel like I can see her talking about, like, it's going to complicate the energy and it's going to, like, deepen the conversation. No, girl. No. <laughs> you are making people uncomfortable. But she's also making really good TV. Uh, yes. And this, speaking of, uh, uh, these are my favorite episodes. I feel so bad. See? This is something that she did on Top Model all the time. So tell me if you remember this. Cycle four, right? There was a girl named Kaylin. Kaylin had lost a friend. A friend of hers died. Like an actual friend that she knew in real life died. She's sad. She's hurt. She's grieving and she's mourning. The next photo challenge was the Seven Deadly Sins challenge where they had to pose in coffins and her fucking friend just died the day before. Well, I hope none of you are afraid of tight and confined, creepy spaces. Follow me. It took everything in my body not to just give up right at that moment. Today, you girls are going to have to portray one of these deadly sins at the bottom of this eight-foot grave. My mind just is blank. I don't know if I can handle this. Like, it's stuff like that that's just clearly petty. It's just clearly, like, for the sake of this show. Tyra, in doing that, set up this moment where she could, like, 
be the the supreme like educator like channel this channel your grief obviously like a moment was created that even I in my weed haze of life can remember because <laughs> I remember her being in the coffin and she's like pushing against the sides and she's just like and she's like growling yeah. and screaming yeah. and I remember watching it like oh my gosh modeling is so physical she's doing so great in her grief but in retrospect like that shit is traumatic but is it effective for the show yeah <laughs> for mental health and stability mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying you know? is that mental health and capitalism don't go together that is my theory <laughs> another girl from that season Kenya <gasps> Kenya they were saying that she had issues with her weight I mean if you look at the girl she doesn't look like she has any sort of issues with weight at all none she looked fit she was. If she walked down any sort of street in Detroit or Chicago and somebody on, asked, and you were like. Miss Lady. Exactly. Miss Lady, excuse me. Um, hey, can I walk with you? Can exactly. I walk with you? And, <laughs> but they planted that seed of doubt in her head that mm-hmm. she was like not as thin as she should be, as thin as like the rest of the contestants. And so during the Seven Deadly Sins challenge, they made mm-hmm. her gluttony. And put a bunch of food and donuts in her coffee. They made this girl model with snacks. Kenya, it just came off looking a little campy as opposed to fashioning. Don't hold your tummy like you're pregnant. Okay. I've seen drag queens soften her. Oh my God. So fucked up. And they also used copious like footage of her like walking around like eating like snacks mm-hmm. and stuff. They like really prey on the mental health of these contestants. Yeah. That's not the only time that her weight comes up during the shoots. Like they had this other challenge where they had to pose as like the essence of an animal. <laughs> Which already. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> One week is gluttony. Next week is an elephant. Right. <laughs> Everybody else has these sexy little animals, but I get to be the big fat elephant. Ugh, why do I keep getting stuck with these fat like characters? What is going on? They made her an elephant, and this happened to be a challenge that was like sponsored by Luberderm, like the lotion. So they all have an alligator below them and like a patch of skin. So they was like, "You fat and ashy." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) And that sucks because it does make such good television because, like, I'm just like, is she going to pull it off? Like, can she get a good picture? But the fucked up thing is that, like, the moments that get talked about, right, the ones that make news are the ones that are so emotional, right? Mm -hmm. Like, somebody's crying, somebody's upset, somebody died, something happened. And, like, you pretty much have to exploit them if this is, like, the kind of show Mm -hmm. that you're going to do. And so, like, these are moments where I'm just like, but, 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 but Tyra, you said, you, you said Flossum was okay. Right. But, but Tyra, that one time you was like, kiss my fat ass. And then he was like, wait, never mind. I don't want my fat ass no more. And then it was gone. Right. When are your flaws okay, Mm -hmm. Tyra? Like, you know, like, how do you decide like when to just like gently push at something that's fucked up and when do you decide to just like all the way just like bulldoze it down you know yeah like if America's Next Top Model actually followed Tyra's philosophy there would be no makeover challenge Wow. everyone would come as they are and yeah. take the best picture that they could and then mm-hmm. they would judge based on that yeah but the inner stunt queen <laughs> you know that tendency she just she can't get away from it and it's also like why we're still talking about it Yeah. So I would say it's kind of effective in terms of like us remembering it and it being something that sticks out, but it sticks out because it was traumatic as fuck. Right. Exactly. Now there's a twist. 
We are actually going to switch your ethnicities. The challenge here really is taking on the persona of that other ethnicity. Hair and makeup is definitely a long process today. Just make sure she's evenly coated and there's no spots. All of us girls have to be painted and plastered with different colors. I mean, it's going to suck to have to scrub it off later. No, Karen, it's not going to suck when you scrub (laughs) it off later. Such a flippant comment about something that's so serious and like has such a, a violent history in our past. That is the word. It's a violent history, right? And like yeah. to present people darkening their faces, changing their races without any mention of like the context behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's irresponsible. Very irresponsible. It's heavy. It's so much. It's just like, it's fucked up. <laughs> you know? It's one of those examples of like where intent doesn't matter when impact does. Mm-hmm. Because I really doubt Tyra Banks like set up this thing so that she could have people treat. <laughs> trading races (laughs) in order to like make fun of blackness or in order to continue in those same sort of tropes that you Mm. see from like minstrelsy and like blackface yeah one of the things that people love to watch is transformation Mm -hmm. like people love Mm. to see something become something else so if you understand that you can understand why she would want to have a challenge where they're (laughs) trading races (laughs) but to do so without understanding the gravity and the context that blackface has played in this country Mm -hmm. and would i have been more upset if she had done the challenge and then educated the girls about blackface and like what it means right or if they just didn't do it and i think they Mm -hmm. just probably shouldn't have done it (laughs) yeah i agree i do think this is one of those moments where like tyra is trying to just like push the boundary and push the limits and break down barriers but you know yeah. maybe pick another barrier Tyler. <laughs> pick a, you know? another door there's a there are other options i mean like something that heavy you gotta have history and context behind it yeah for sure also all the white girls just look like white girls in extra dark makeup and all the black girls look like white chicks yes it never works <laughs> it never works literally it does not i'm bobby finger and i'm Lindsay weber and i want to tell you about a podcast i think you're going to love who weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't does celebrity news stress you out are there too many people you've literally never heard of check out who weekly a podcast hosted by Lindsay weber and me bobby finger each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment and if you're still confused we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries who weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on tuesdays and fridays listen and follow who weekly on the odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts i'm shimol yai and i have a new podcast called the competition every year 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition i wouldn't say i have an ego problem but i'm extremely competitive all of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is the competition. Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
Josh and I have clearly thought about America's Next Top Model a lot, perhaps more than most, but we thought it would be a good idea to get a point of view that neither of us could actually offer. And that is the point of view of someone who was actually there on the set working, somebody who was inside the America's Next Top Model machine. And we wanted to do this with somebody who knows all things Top Model and Tyra Banks. So we reached out to Jay Manuel, who served as the creative director for the first 18 cycles of the whole 5,796 total cycles that America's Next Top Model had. Jay, take us back to like when you got the call to do the show. Like, What were you doing at the time? What made you say, yes, absolutely, I have to do this? Back in 2002, uh, the only reality shows that were on TV at the time were The Real World on MTV. Mm-hmm. And then we had Survivor. But there mm-hmm. were no competition mm-hmm. reality shows. Like There was no Kardashians. There were no any other competition shows. Tyra and I had been working together for years. I got this call. She would always call. We would talk every day. And then she, I got this call. It was 6 a.m. I was in bed. <laughs> you know, you look at your caller ID, you know, on your landline. Landline people. Uh, on your what? I don't understand those words. <laughs> and I'm like, what is she doing up? Because I'm thinking it's 3 a.m. That's my first thought. So I thought something was wrong. Right. So I picked up the phone and I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I got it. I know what I'm going to do. Like, I got it. And she talked about this whole idea of doing this model competition show that she wants to pitch. And Kenya Barris, who's one of her friends, you know, they were- Of like blackish fame, right? Yeah, of course. Yes, everyone knows Kenya. But he worked with her on creating a treatment to pitch at the time. She said, you're going to have to help me. She goes, of course, you're doing my makeup on every episode and blah, 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 because I was her makeup artist at the time. And I said, sure, whatever. You know, it was that, that was my first call. And then I remember the process of her pitching. I think it was a hard pitch because she went to a lot of different places. And and then she went to then UPN, which is no longer around. RIP UPN. RIP. Yes, UPN, which was merged with Warner Brothers. And that's what created the CW. And so it was just really a very different time of kind of assembling something that was that new. At first, I was just going to be working with Tyra behind the scenes, but on camera, working with the girls, et cetera, doing the makeup for the photo shoots and all of that. That was officially my role. And we were going to do these other segments that kind of gave people a behind the curtain look, uh, if you will, uh, at the industry. So when season two started, they basically said, you're running the show when it comes to all the creative and the photo shoots, you bring on the photographers and We'll give you a budget per shoot. And that's just kind of how my role was born. And then it turned into working with the sponsors for the different shoots. And I literally just kind of ran all the creative and did the final runway shows. So it was a lot of work behind the scenes. People saw me on camera. They had no idea what I was doing behind the scenes. It sounds like it was like a really scrappy, like... (laughs) all your resources in that sort of a working environment but like did you know that it was going to be a huge hit when you first started in those early days like the first cycle i remember tyra saying you know she's like we'll be lucky if we get like just one more season you know so we didn't Mm. think this was something that would go on for tracy as you said 365 seasons (laughs) but uh i remember she was thinking oh we'll get like three seasons i would love for you to walk me through like the process of like creating the uh, photo shoots because some of them were like wild in like a good way in a, a what is happening kind of way like there was crumping <laughs> there were like who who was like okay so today we're gonna have them like 
pose with elephants. What do y'all think of that? You know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the process? How do those shoots, the ideas for those shoots get born? You know, I really just had a phone call with Tyra saying, she just said to me quite simply, she goes, I want the girls to go through things that I went through. Mm. I'm like, makes a lot of sense. So, you know, when the girls were shooting in bikinis in New York, when it was winter, well, we often shoot yeah. opposite seasons. That was something Tyra had done. So everything we did in season one, we just wanted to kind of root it in reality so the girls knew what they were gonna be up against when they walked into the industry. And I thought that was really brilliant of Tyra to kind of have the foresight just to kind of go there. But there was a shift because when the show became increasingly more popular, you know, you were talking about appointment television, we had millions of people tuning in and now you've all these sponsors. So then it became a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm. So once we came out of season three, which was the Eva, Yaya, Takara season, it was a huge season. Mm -hmm. People love season three. Love that season. (laughs) I'm not dissing season one and two, but three just kind of like, it blew us into the stratosphere. I really felt then the pressure, like everyone kept saying, okay, now we need another layer, a layer. Mm. So what started off as a conversation between Tyra and myself, then it was notes of like, oh, and we're going to do this. Oh, and we're going to do that. Like just notes. And Mm. sometimes I, you know, I, I would push back on certain layers and they heard me. And then there were other times when I pushed back on layers and I was told I had to execute the creative Mm. and you guys can probably all appreciate that sometimes Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to do your job by putting your voice and and you want to respect and honor the project but if they say you've got to do something else you have to listen to them so it becomes it becomes tricky yeah one more teeny tiny question did someone intentionally like make kenya be the elephant because they knew she was feeling a way about her weight do you remember that (laughs) Yes, I do remember that. I've been asked that question several times. Really? Absolutely not. And I can tell you because when we pre-produced that shoot going into South Africa, uh-huh. we weren't sure we would be able to get certain materials for those shoots. So that mm-hmm. creative was actually designed early on. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we assigned girls to characters and we had backups. So if this girl got eliminated, then this girl would be this. If that girl was eliminated. So it was actually done as a pre-production meeting and it was purely coincidence off of our grid. (laughs) That's how that happened. But people swear we did that. We did That is interesting to know though. I think our culture is really looking back at America's Next Top Model right now Mm -hmm. and processing a lot of the different decisions that were made and who was sure. making them and that sort of thing. And I, sure. I know that a lot of people were talking about Danny and her closing the gap, but I've been wondering a lot mm-hmm. about like why we're talking about these moments like 14 years later. Mm. Like what's your take on why they've come back and they're now relevant conversations? Sure. About? First of all, nobody anticipated uh, this. And then I guess when people were forced into quarantine, they were like looking for nostalgia, this nostalgic moment, Mm. I'm assuming, because my understanding was on Amazon Prime and Hulu, the show became a very big binge watch show. So people were looking back, but then their younger brothers or sisters or their children were watching in the room. And so you had this new audience tuning in. Mm. And I know there's been a lot of controversy um, around various things from Danny's Gap to, you know, some of the shoot creative. Um, specifically, I believe they were talking about the Got Milk at a shoot we did in- That's the one where they trading races. Changing races, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that was cycle four. And I do think mm. with that shoot in particular, I did go to my co-EP because I felt 
very uncomfortable kind of going to, to the higher ups and that included Tyra and talking about how uncomfortable I was with the shoot. Cause as the creative director, mm -hmm. I was on camera for that. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents are from South Africa. They grew up under apartheid. You know, I was mm -hmm. educated. The first time I went to South Africa, I was born in the States, but I, I went at the age of seven and, you know, stayed with my family and where they lived under that regime. And so really understanding that. And I, you know, people, I know a lot of people assume I'm Spanish. I'm actually biracial. So it's, it's kind of confusing, especially with my last name. I know, but Manuel is actually a South African last name. But, you know, mm. I, I felt very overwhelmed and very uncomfortable. And my co-EP then went and spoke to the other EPs. And they basically, the word that came back to me was he has to do his job. He has to be on camera. Don't worry. We'll edit this to be fine. He won't look mm. bad. Mm. And that is what I was told. Mm. And I was never really nervous when we shot the show. Um, it was just a very natural environment for me to be in. You know, the girls walk in. I'm like, hey, girls. So today we're doing da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? Mm -hmm. But that day I was petrified. I was just, yeah. I just thought for sure, you know, I was going to wear all of this. And it was very difficult. And, you know, I know we're looking back at it now uh, and people say, well, that was then and this is now. The other thing I feel like I have to say is I don't, I don't, I think that's an excuse. I, I think even for... You know, that was shot at end of like 2004, 2005. I don't think there's an excuse for that, personally. So how did it feel for you to be able sure. to uh, to speak your truth after all this time when it came back up? You know, overall, uh, you know, working on America's Next Top Model was an opportunity that was magical at times. I mean, we, we you know, being a part of something that became a global phenomenon, um, that's really an amazing experience. I learned a ton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I have nothing but the utmost respect for every door that Tyra opened within our industry, mm -hmm. um, being the first Black woman on Sports Illustrated to being an amazing black model on for CoverGirl, Victoria's Secret, everything that she's done for all of those, um, and I'm gonna say black and brown young boys and girls, everybody out there saying, oh my God. Yeah. I think a lot of people are throwing Tyra under the bus, kind of unnecessarily so, because she's already answered and kind of apologized for a lot of decisions that she takes responsibility for. Uh, and so now this whole thing comes up and, you know, now we're in this era of cancel culture and they're trying to cancel her. Um, and I think that's a little unfair. Um, but at the same time, I felt like I had to kind of speak on the record as to kind of what really happened there. Jay wrote a novel inspired by his time on America's Next Top Model called The Wig, The Bitch, and The Meltdown. It's out now. Did we learn something from this? <laughs> <laughs> I think we did learn something from this. Talking to Jay Manuel, I feel like I got like a peek behind the curtain and I learned yeah. some stuff I didn't know about the show. Like, 
I didn't know he was the creative director of the entire thing. And it happened like yeah. on the spot. Like, yeah, it was a beautiful show, you know, like a lot of like the, the shoots and stuff. And I'm just like, OK, that's all you. I see it. Um, I don't know how to delicately put this. I did not know that he was half black. I didn't either. I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> but it really makes me think about the creative differently. Knowing yeah. that the person that was executing the vision was like, you know, uh-huh. had a personal stake in like how right. these things happen. And I'm of course, like having a black person there doesn't make it not problematic. Right. But it does right. change like how I am perceiving it a little bit. Right. It's kinda like you'd like Okay, okay. Let me relax a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. like at least like there's there's a reason to like trust what I'm seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. you. I feel you on that. Um yeah. also, uh apparently the Kenya as an elephant thing was not planned, which I feel like is just really good editing. Like I feel like sometimes they see how things ended and so they go back and pull footage that uh... supports that ending. Like, in the editing bay, like, later on after it's all done. Uh So maybe it wasn't the producers were like, ooh, Kenya's getting big. We're going to make her an elephant. Make her be an ashy elephant. But they knew that was, like, a theme of her time there. And so they Mm. were, like, pulling, like, the clips of her eating while she's in the kitchen and that sort of thing to, like, accentuate that point. Yeah. The unfortunate thing about this is that this, like the tricky editing and producing moments that may or may not have happened in a certain way is unfortunately Mm -hmm. standard for basically every reality TV show that exists, pretty much. Every reality TV show. Every single one. Right. I think that, like, we still have to remember, with America's Next Top Model specifically, Mm -hmm. that it was the beginning of this reality television competition format. And so there really was a team of producers that were thinking about all of these different situations that they were putting the contestants in Mm -hmm. and thinking about how it was going to look to an audience. So I think it's fair to give them a little bit of grace in terms of like what's standard for reality television shows, Mm -hmm. but it still was a decision that was made. Right. I think a really important thing that we have learned is that all humans are human. Even celebrities, even supermodels, even Tyra Banks. Like, she is an amazing model. She is an amazing personality. Mm -hmm. But she fucks up, and she fucks up a lot. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing, you know? Like, I mean, who amongst us does not fuck up every now and then? The difference is, like, we don't have Tyra Banks' platform. Right. But when you consider that, like, she took so many risks really big risks at a time when no one else was. Mm -hmm. She was essentially like learning in public. Right. Which is a thing that I've got some experience with as a podcast host. Like sometimes you say dumb shit. Sometimes you tweet stupid shit. And learning in public is hard. Change is messy. The first person who tries, I mean, like 20 years later, is always going to look a shit show when you look back, right? You know? So I think it's kind of like our ancestor W.E.B. Dubois (laughs) (laughs) but one of my favorite quotes by W.E.B. Du Bois he says in his essay where he's talking about this theory of double consciousness right this theory Mm. of being like human but also black you know like you have these two realities that are warring and in it he says we know that we are beautiful 
but we're ugly too. Mm. That's what it means to like see someone's humanity in full. That's what it means to be human. You know, like you can't just pick and choose like I'm going to take the good parts out of this person or I'm just going to focus on the bad. Like, no, we're all dumb and we're all stupid and we're all fucked up. But that's where our cultures changed too, exactly. right? Because if you think about Instagram and like social media, mm-hmm. we've been trained to really curate our lives mm-hmm. so you only see the best parts of them. I don't think it's intentional, but like this pressure to just like put the most perfect picture of yourself out there. When you have like millions of like young girls looking up to you and they want to be just like you, that means they want to be perfect. And that means that they're going to grow up suffering because mm. there is no such thing as perfection. And we sure the fuck do see that with Tyra Banks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. as gorgeous as she is, is all these different enterprises she's done. She's done really stupid shit. And it gives me some comfort in knowing that. You know? Yeah. What I think Tyra brings up to me is like, our culture has gotten to the point where it's so black and white. It's like, I can hold two thoughts in my head simultaneously, even if they're at odds with each other. Like, yes, Tyra did a bunch of fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes problematic. (laughs) At the same time, Tyra was an innovator. And Mm -hmm. when you're the first person in a space doing a thing, you're going to mess up. Yeah. I can see both of those things. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop me from acknowledging her importance and her contributions to the culture. For sure. I think it's really important to emphasize like the messiness of change. Because just like you said, when you're the first person to do something, of course you're going to look a fool for doing it. Or the way that you did it 10, 20 years later when we know better. Mm-hmm. So Hattie McDaniel, she was the first black woman to win an Oscar. I think about her so much because her acceptance speech the the most famous of the line that she's known for saying is, um, I hope that I will always remain a credit to my race, right? Mm. And the first time I heard that speech and I heard what she said and I heard the details because I think that like she had to use the the back entrance. And she couldn't even sit with the rest of the cast. and Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, when I heard this story for the first time, I was in college. So like, this is like, burn it all down. Fuck the police. Mm-hmm. The system is like a joke. Revolution now, Trace was like mm-hmm. at the forefront. And so when I learned about Hattie McDaniel's speech, I was just like, ugh, this is just like the the downfall of, you know, clamoring for white people's attention and validation. And, you know, how dare she not see that, you know, being a credit to your race is is a big burden. Exactly. But context matters. Context Mm -hmm. is so important. The words that she said on that stage meant something else when she said them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this Mm -hmm. idea of being a credit to your race. I feel like if we look at that speech through today's lens, like we've already had a black president, you know, we've had a bomb ass black first lady. Of course, a woman saying I want to remain a credit to my race is always going to sound messy and house niggery or whatever. But consider like this was the first black woman that a lot of young black kids that grew up wanting to be actors and grew up needing to see somebody who looks like them like what did it mean to them to hear those words and to see her on that stage you know what i mean Mm -hmm. of course it was messy of course it was clunky it was the first time that shit was done yeah you know you can't do anything perfectly on the first time on the first try period and tyra really did a lot to put competition reality shows like on the map like once america's next top model hit there were clones everywhere there was a cooking america's next top model there's a fashion america's next top model there's a building cars america's next top model there's drag Mm -hmm. race like all of these things do not exist without tyra banks exactly and i'm so glad you mentioned drag race because like this model is still birthing new babies you know like she birthed an amazing thing she did some dumb shit with it but of the like the dumb shit 
that she did with it doesn't overshadow, I don't think, all of the doors that she opened with it and like the changes that she made, just like the impact just by existing and choosing to try and take risks. Because like you said, she didn't have to do none of that shit. At all. Do you know, did she apologize? She did apologize. I apologized for it because we put it out and even me just watching it after, I was like, ooh, this ain't right. I mean, we felt like our skin's beautiful. Let's paint the world our color. And then we saw it and we we're like, oh no, this excuses other people to do this in a negative way. So I went on my talk show and did an entire um, segment of what we did wrong and we apologized for it. But not everybody saw that, Kevin. Also, just for the record, we want y'all to know that we did reach out to Miss Tyra Banks herself to get her comment, but she was not available when we made this episode. So, like, I think it's just really hard to, like, exist. Period. (laughs) (laughs) You know? It's okay to acknowledge that, like, you built this thing and also you fucked up while doing it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to do that, and I think it's necessary to do that if you want to keep growing and evolving and stay relevant as long as she has like if she had just been like well look y'all it's entertainment what do you want me to do y'all need to stop being so sensitive or i'm sorry if you were offended well that gets a middle finger because you haven't learned anything from this right you know and all you are doing now is just sitting back and profiting off of your willful ignorance and that's what the problem is ignorance itself think of all of the things that you don't know right now mm-hmm. think of all the things that tracy doesn't know who child <laughs> like if if you tell me to go in the kitchen and cook you a lobster and I don't have a recipe and I fuck it up, like, it's just, it's I just didn't know. Yeah. But I feel like what Tyra did, you know, like, we, she, it feels like she's learning along with all of us. I sat my ass down and was watching UPN like everybody else. But, like, <laughs> I think we all got here from somewhere. And, I mean, just look at where Tyra is going now. I mean, look, Model Land. We're going to get you to Model Land one day. I really I mean, believe let's it, start a committee. Let's start an online petition, change.org. Okay, you started and then then I'll sign. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Also, she just got a new job? What? Yeah, she's the new host of Dancing with the Stars. So, like, Tyra is not new to this reality TV thing. She's Mm. just Come on, spoken word. We all got here from somewhere. Somewhere, birthday. Um, Josh, guess what? What? We just finished our very first show. Can you believe it? No, I, I can't. can't. The show is real. It's real. It exists. I'm and, so it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's over. And it's over. Um, I think you did a great job. I think you did a great job as well. Oh my gosh, thanks so much. Let's go celebrate. But first, let's do some credits, shall okay, we? Let's do it. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. Back Issue was created and is hosted by yours truly, Tracy Clayton, and me, Josh Gwynn. Our editor is Emmanuel Hapsis, our senior managing producer is John Asante, and our senior editor is Leela Day. Our lead producer is Josh Gwynn. I think I know that guy. I think I, I, think know, I know him too. I think I know him. <laughs> our associate producer is Alexis Moore. Special thanks to Andy Hillbrands. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky. This show features music by the one and only Don Will. You can follow him at DJ Don Will on the socials. You can follow me on the socials at Broken McPoverty. And you can follow me at Regarding Josh on all the things. You can follow the show on Instagram at Back Issue Podcast and tweet about the show. Use the hashtag Back Issue Podcast so we can follow along. 
subscribe to the podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Tell your friend, tell your family, tell your entanglement, tell everyone. We did it! Come back again next week so we can do it again. Please. Woo! And thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, no, it, it happened. Why would I lie? You know I don't lie. Come on, Michelle. You're just... Back issue hotline, what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, hi. I'm calling because, you know, Tyra was in the news again recently, and I was telling my kids about how she actually, uh, predicted the presidency of the first black president of the United States of America. They don't believe me. No one does. I feel gaslighted. Uh, gaslit? Okay, sir. What's your location, please? Uh, Chicago. Okay, sir. And why is it that you don't think they believe you? Well, uh, I think most people don't believe me because it sounds so f***ing ridiculous, Mm -hmm. like many Tyra stories. So just to be sure I have this right, you're saying that Tyra Banks basically predicted Barack Obama's presidency. Is that accurate? Yes. Mm, Okay, sir. We're going to have to pass this on to our researchers and we'll get you some assistance right away. All right. Thank you. Oh, oh, I just want to say... I'm really, uh, grateful for this service you're providing. (laughs) I just love it. I, uh, I'm still in love with you. Okay, and what did you say your name was, sir? Uh, I gotta go.